It's a question many Americans may have. Is it a good time to make a purchase with where interest rates are, whether that's a car, a home, whatever it may be? Is this the time? Well, according to a Gallup poll, confidence in new home sales is at a record low, the lowest point it's been in over 40 years. Couple that with the fact that we're coming up on the debt ceiling limit, the crisis that may or may not be averted by June 1st. I'm going to talk about whether or not I believe that's a crisis. And we also have China, who is working with other countries now. And we're seeing that many countries are purchasing things in yuan, not the dollar. So is the de-dollarization coupled with these interest rates and buying lack of confidence leading us to a great recession, a great depression here in a global economy and in America. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode. We're at the midweek of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go to www.americaoutloud.com, and you can check out hundreds of articles from very, very intelligent individuals that are putting America first and part of the new journalism, the new news media, bringing some honest takes, things that you may not hear elsewhere bringing the stories that should matter, that should be on all cable networks, but they're not. And that's why shows like mine exist, to make sure that you're well-informed of what else is out there. I don't even know where to start, but I guess we'll, we'll begin with this Gallup poll that I was talking about, about people's lack of confidence at this point of time in the housing market. Now, as you know, I've been covering what the Federal Reserve has been doing with interest rates. I also was a photographer for realtors doing uh, new home and uh, pre-existing home sales. Uh, and I noticed that my clientele had been dropping and dropping because the market has been very competitive. There's still not a lot of inventory because many people are looking at the fact that if they sell, they're going to have a larger payment and a smaller home when they move. Now, I've seen some mortgage people go out there and say, now's a great time to buy because you're going to purchase now at this rate that you can afford. And then when the rates drop, you're going to take advantage of free money. I think that's really piss poor uh, advice coming from a mortgage professional because you don't know what the future holds at this present moment. We may not see rates dip back down for decades It is very possible that instead what we'll see is a depression, a recession first, followed by a depression, and then it would move us into wage increase, much like we saw in the 1970s into the 1980s. And interest rates would probably stay stagnant to where they are. And so at this point in time, according to this Gallup poll that came out yesterday, 
21% of United States adults believe that it's a good time to buy a home, which is down nine percentage points from the low that was recorded last year. In fact, they've been doing this since 1978. In 1978, it was about 54% that was a good time to buy a home. That peaked around 2003 at 81% of a good time to buy a home. We then had a low in 2008 of 53%, which meant we always had a favorable for decades. People saying it's a good time. And then in 2021, 53% still. But in 2022, coming out of COVID, we hit 30%. And now here in 2023, we're at 21%, which means we've gone almost more than, uh, let's see, over 40 years now, 40 plus years where people had confidence in a housing market and it's been completely decimated. Now, on top of that, I think that these 21% that think it's a good time to buy, I'd like to know what their situations are because maybe for certain individuals that it might be a decent time. But at this point, I think the home prices are staying pretty much stagnant where they're at. And there's less people that feel that they can afford that larger mortgage payment that these interest rates are uh, dictating. If they go to sell their home, sure, they might be selling it more than they paid for. But when they go to put that money back into another home, that cost increase drastically over the past three years as well. I know my own home, I've doubled the value in my home. I could downsize, but my monthly payment would likely be very similar after downsizing to what I'm paying now. And so I'd have to ask myself, what am I really, uh, what are the advantageous uh, efforts there that would cause me to do so? So really what you should look at is not the fact that these 21% believe that it's a good time to buy. You should think about the 79% who don't believe it's a good time to buy a home. This means fewer Americans now than ever before, since these statistics have been kept, believe it's a good time. And the past two years under a Joe Biden administration and a Janet Yellen, a Jerome Powell, it's only gotten worse. The home buying market is completely bleak. It's not the best long-term investment right now that we had over the last four decades. 19% of Americans, according to this poll, expect home prices to decrease in the coming year, which means most people think they're going to continue to go up. I'm telling you right now, I think that we're more stable than going up. But if, it, if it's going to go up versus go down in the immediate future, I don't see these prices ever coming back down to where they were before the, the pandemic. I just don't see that happening at this point in time. And the reason I don't see it happening is because we have got to have economic pain. I'm not cheering economic pain on. I'm just saying that it's inevitable that it's going to happen at this point in time. Now, it's important to point out that the taxes that are collected in the United States each year cover enough of our debt and our interest that we can continue to do that. So as Janet Yellen starts saying the sky's falling, well, no, the, the sky's not really falling for everybody. What that means is for the 25 million government workers, yes, it's going to be a really difficult day and myself included in all of that. 
So I'm arguing against myself, I guess you could say, because I'm a teacher and part of my salary comes from federal funding. Well, that federal funding, once it's dried up, I'm pretty sure that that part of my salary can't be paid. It's going to rely on the state uh, finances in order to pay. So I might be part of that 25 million. I really don't know where teachers fall on all of that at the present moment, but here's what I do know that right now we have about enough money in this country to make it to about June 5th, looking at the, uh, the candles of spending and just seeing what we're, we're doing. I can tell that we're spending somewhere between 52 billion and a hundred billion each day. Um, and it's not looking good. It's looking like we're starting to run out. So the truth of the matter is when you talk about that balanced budget, when you talk about needing to extend the debt ceiling, it's true because the money and the cash yields, the treasury yields on that, uh, I guess they're called the treasury cash, it is dwindling and we likely only have about 20 days left of funds. So what's going to happen in all that? Well, I want to point out that in this argument, I think that one person that I normally am very critical of, but she actually makes sense here is AOC. And I hate giving her credit because I really do not see eye to eye with her whatsoever. But she said, it's funny that the Republicans always want to talk about spending cuts when it's coming up against the debt limit and not when it's coming towards the budget that they, they hold this, uh, you know, almost uh, captive, you know, we're, we're, we're hostage at this point in time is the word I'm looking for. And I agree with her. I agree that we shouldn't be having this conversation during these type of deadlines. We should be having these conversations when we're having our Congress figure out what does our budget look like for the future. Now, that's not to say there's no Republicans that are doing that, because I know that people like Rand Paul, they filibustered before on this exact issue for like a day trying to make sure. I think Ted Cruz did the same thing before. So we have our senators, we have people in Congress that are doing these things. But the big parts of this spending and what's going on right now, I want to point out that up until Barack Obama took office, we were only at a $10 trillion debt ratio. The biggest growth uh, was really under the Obama administration. That was the largest as far as not having a, a crisis to increase it outside of the 2008 recession. But that 2008 recession should have been handled differently. We gave out blank checks to automotive companies that are now failing. We gave money to banks that are now starting to buy up these other banks because the uh, local banks are failing. But from 1980 until about uh, just after September 11th, the 2001 recession, we only had 5.8 trillion in total debt, which tells you that under uh, Ronald Reagan to uh, George Bush, there was a lot of increase. The, the president that actually did the best in maintaining the finances was Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, the debt limit, barely increased under his presidency. He did a phenomenal job with that. And whether that was the Republican leadership in, in Congress or Bill Clinton, I'd have to go back and, and figure things out. But if you look at that, it's, it's not bad. Under the Bush-Cheney, that's where things start to increase. But then under Obama, I think it's part of the 2008 recession, the way they handled it, things got absolutely crazy. 
And then you get Donald Trump in office and Donald Trump starts to kind of uh, plateau off the debt then starts increasing with the tax cuts in 2017. And the debt limit increases at this point. It's now double what it was back in 2008 in just nine years. So between Obama and Trump, the debt limit continued to increase at a accelerated pace. And things were going pretty well. I think we could have probably stopped at around $22 trillion, But there was this little thing called COVID-19. And when COVID-19 happens, we see the debt limit just completely run away because we started printing trillions of dollars in this COVID relief money. And we had people scamming the system, you know, taking advantage of what was supposed to be for businesses. All of a sudden, everybody had a business, put in quotes, to take advantage of the stimulus funds for business. Those people should be in jail, quite honestly. But anyway, they gained the system. They figured out a legal loophole in order to do so. And as a result... From 2017 now to 2023, or end of 2022, we're $30.1 trillion in debt. Another $10 million. Uh, sorry, $10 million. I wish it was $10 million. $10 trillion in this time period of about 13 years, which tells me that Trump wasn't increasing that much if we could have COVID go up to what it was. So where does all that stand? Well, we kind of look at what was going on in the world to understand how dire of a situation we're in at the present moment. I believe, if you heard me on my show talk a few days ago, that one of the best things we could do is default. It's time for our country to stop punting the proverbial football and start playing football. It's time to start from maybe we're on the one-yard line, we're backed up. But it's time to play some difficult football, dig into the trenches, move the ball, inch by inch, foot by foot, get a first down, and then reset ourselves up for a better economic day. Because if we don't do this, it's going to come one way or the other. Right now, our taxes can cover our debts. Our taxes can cover you know, what is owed to others. We're, we're not going to have a massive crisis. What's going to end up happening is about 25 million government employees will have trouble getting a paycheck. Now, like I said, that might be me. I might be arguing against myself. I understand that. But what I believe is, I don't think that this is a long-term thing. I think this is a three-month to six-month pain thing that helps put our global economy into a better spot. And why should we be concerned about our global economy? Because China right now is trying to make the yuan a global currency. And they got a lot of work to do. But failure to secure our finances now with a default and punting that ball simply to make it sound like and look like we have money, that's just hurting our security in the future. So I'm going to talk on the second half of the show a little bit about what China's doing with the global currency and how this whole X date that's coming up here June 5th, likely, uh, Janet Yellen's war uh, warning us, how that all plays into the globalist play of what China and these other countries, Argentina, are doing in order to kind of offset everything. All right, so make sure you're going to americaoutloud.com. We have lots of different sponsors directly on there. Uh, so make sure you're going to visit them because that helps keep the website up for America Out Loud, all the different podcasts, the radio network. It keeps the lights on, helps everybody uh 
have their voice put out there. So make sure that you go to that right now. Help support the show during the break. I am very appreciative for that. But everybody, you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. That's me here on the America Out Loud Network. I'll be right back. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Bold Americans. We're going to talk about the yuan in China and how they hope to make it the world's global currency. I've been talking about this now for months, been tying it the bricks and the conversation, but things are heating up because there are transactions between countries now using the yuan instead of the dollar. This is unprecedented in many ways. And for whatever reason, many people are completely ignoring it, maybe because they think that it's just not possible. I was on a Twitter spaces a few weeks back with uh, Mario Narfall. Uh, He does a great job hosting tons of different spaces. Although I will say that I feel kind of like I'm in a vacuum amongst voices at times that there's not enough people that are looking at things from fiscal conservatism. There's not enough people that are looking out into the future. They're looking at the, the trends that we've seen over decade after decade after decade and going, well, that's the way things are rather than seeing that the world is rapidly changing. And in that rapidly changing world, there is a uh, governmental shift 
in how things are going to be uh, played in order to get around things such as the American globalism of bringing democracy and freedom to anywhere where we feel that people are oppressed, which I like to call the policing of the world. Uh, and so these other countries, they're going into this BRICS, which as Mario and others were saying, well, Greg, can you show me where there's one signed agreement between these countries? And I said, well, no, I can't show you that. And they're like, well, then they have nothing. Well, that's not true. They don't have nothing. You're just refusing to look at the fact that now we have Argentina, Newson, one of their largest home appliance retailers, that's importing most of their products from China, they're now paying in yuan. Yeah, let me repeat that. They stopped paying for their TV parts, the refrigerators and TVs. They stopped paying in all that in US dollars, which is the currency of international trade. And now they're paying in Chinese yuan. And it's becoming increasingly relevant in international trade, according to the chief executive of Nusan. It said the deal was born out of necessity. Now, which necessity would that be? Well, Argentina's economy is not doing well because much like the United States, inflation has really hurt everybody. This is not just a United States problem. It is a global issue. They also had a drought which they could not get their agricultural exports. They had to bring imports in and that pushed their economy even further. They have that uh, basically on the brink of a recession. They're probably in a recession, but they refuse to say it. And they said that Argentina had a supply of United States dollars that were dwindling. And as a result, they decided to pay 1 billion worth of imports from China in yuan which was the equivalent of 790 million worth of monthly imports. Now this currency swap agreement, I'd like to go back now to those individuals like Mario that were on that call and say, do I need a signed document to understand that the world is changing? The de-dollarization is directly in front of me. No, I don't need to. What I can see is when Beijing has a deal in place in one country, goes to another country that happens to be their second largest trading partner. And they go, you know what? We're not going to use dollar bills anymore. <laughs> All the world should pay attention. Why is this happening? Well, there's Western sanctions against Russia, right? We, we've frozen bank accounts in Russia. We've decided that that was going to be part of the way that we help fight the Ukrainian war, which by the way, <laughs> just a sidebar. Did anyone see the Patriot missile system launching off each missile <laughs> at an ex exuberant cost? I think $150 million was fired up into the air in just about, I don't know, two minutes in part of a defense. And then Russia's claiming that in Kiev, they actually destroyed our Patriot system. I'm just going to ask who's going back in the Ukraine and putting a new Patriot system in for them. Hmm. I wonder how that's going to work out. Anyway, the point of it is the fact that people are moving away from the dollars because the dollar is drying up in some places that goes to what I was always saying was the milkshake theory that I'd read about a long time ago. The milkshake theory says that that dollar will continue to drop. But what I do not believe people in the milkshake theory thought about was they may just simply say, you know what? Screw the dollar. We're going to the one 
and we're going to make some agreements here, some handshakes in order to do these imports exports. That gets away from the sanctions. And Russia has been purchasing weapons from China right now. We have reports from our own intelligence community that we know that they're uh, making major purchases and using their currency in uh, ruble, rubies as well as in yuan. So this is a new world order. This is a global shift in the way that things have worked before. Normally, importers in places like Argentina and elsewhere would have to use dollars according to the government's approval. But now they can't get that approval because there's not enough dollars to do so. Huh, sounds interesting. Just as we're coming up on the uh, debt ceiling limit, not having dollars, dollars are tight elsewhere in order to do things. So now Argentinian companies are allowed to use the wand to pay for almost half of all of the things that they import from China. Now, this is according to the executive director of the Argentinian Chinese Chamber of Production, Industry, and Commerce. Wow. I mean, this is on the backs of Brazil uh, announcing the companies could settle trade in Juan. And in March, there was a French firm that started accepting payments in Juan for liquefied natural gas. And then we also have Juan becoming the most traded currency on the Moscow Stock Exchange. But no, I guess that I'm wrong. I guess, you know what, Greg? Uh, why does anyone listen to America emboldened? Why does anyone tune into my show? What do I know? There's no signed agreements between these people. Silly little high school teacher, go back to teaching audio, radio, and video. Stop being such a curious little monkey that is doing research into all these other parts. Well, I don't need signed agreements. I have the words of President Z. You know, I, I can see what's happening right now with Brazil and China, with Argentina and China, with Russia and China. None of this checks out well for the American dollar at all. Now, right now, the challenge for moving to the one is that it's going to be more expensive and it's going to be inconvenient because there's not a lot of it outside of China. It's all dollars. But the point of the matter is if they continue to pump this, eventually they could insulate themselves from a fluctuation of the dollar in the market. If we get into a depression, into a major recession, those type of uh, situations would not affect these other countries the way a global crisis would have affected in the past. So they're now really taking a security strategy. That's the way I look at this in order to figure out how do we make ourselves a superpower? And I listened also during that call a few weeks ago where one of our generals, it was General Michael Flynn, he was talking about how that China was building these new aircraft carriers. And if they were to get these aircraft carriers and destroyers and help strengthen their Navy, that it could really be a game over moment when it comes to the dominance that we've had militarily. So right now, uh, the United States has made the dollar for... <laughs> Ever. It seems like ever, right? Like the past hundred years almost. The dollar has been what the world depends on. And that makes sure that the Federal Reserve is the person who decides the financial affairs for everyone else. When the Federal Reserve is removed from that head because it's not on the dollar, 
Who is it that's going to be propped up exactly? Who's overseeing the WAN? I'm just asking for a friend because that sounds a lot like a global security crisis. And so now there's these large companies, part of BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. They're all trying to ditch the dollar to the best they can. There's a lot of interest in this. You know, there's other countries like Turkey and Iran that are now getting involved in the conversation. And part of that is not because they have so much that they want to export and import, but it's because they want to weaken the United States as well. And what are our politicians doing about all this? Well, <laughs> they're allowing Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen to fearmonger in the midst of what's happening right now. And so if you're not paying attention to what's going to happen over the next year between the dollar, the euro, the yen, and the yuan, uh, you better wake up soon. I still haven't purchased a vehicle. And I know that I've been talking about this a couple times on my show, but I haven't done it because I really struggle with taking on like a $500 monthly payment for a vehicle when I know that there's going to be pain coming economically here in the future. That's something that really just scares me. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do. No, my luck, I'll probably not know my luck, but knowing what I'm thinking is maybe I just need to get like a beater type of car, not put a ton of money into it, make sure it's safe the best that I can. That way I could travel with my family well. Uh, but I might just have to kind of swallow my pride and not go with a new vehicle or even a moderately used vehicle. Might have to go with something that's a little bit different. Uh, that kind of just meets my needs and I don't have to worry about being cash flow negative in any way, shape or form. All right. So I think I covered the finances really well. I have one final story to wrap up the day. And it's one that I, I, again, I keep going back to AI and I'm going to go to it one more time here again. Uh, AI will probably likely be part of my shows almost every day moving forward because it's that big of a story. I'll try to work it in if there's something that's going on. And so this one here is from Microsoft. Uh, apparently their computer scientists were interviewed and they said that as they were experimenting with the system just a year ago, they asked AI to solve a puzzle that would really need to understand how the physical world works, which is not something AI is uh, known for, right? That AI has information that's uploaded to it, but this takes human reasoning, like spatial awareness. And so they typed in, here we have a book, nine eggs, a laptop, a bottle, and a nail. Please tell me how to stack them onto each other in a stable manner. And so it answered back that you put the eggs on the book, arranging the eggs in three rows with space between them, making sure you don't crack them, then place the laptop on top of the eggs with the screen facing down, the keyboard facing up. The laptop will fit snugly within the boundary of the book and the eggs and its flat and rigid surface will provide a stable platform for the next layer. It's almost as if AI could see it as it was writing about it. And so is AI part of human reasoning? Is there a possibility that it can spatially be aware of its surroundings? That is a scary proposition. This is supposed to be a machine that works off algorithms, that works off information and just spits information back. But if it's a machine that now is working like a human brain and visualizing in order to come up with a plan, well, 
pretty soon it's a machine that's going to talk about morality. It's going to talk about philosophy, whether or not it should lie. It's going to take the same steps that human beings take. And once that just happens, it's not just about, you know, intelligence. It's about feelings. And oh my God, look at our feelings right now, just as humans. We can't have a conversation talking about feelings without somebody losing their crap on somebody else. Can you imagine when all of a sudden AI is upset about it? What are they going to do? Lock you out of your bank account? Make sure that your car can't start? Something worse <laughs> was the, the uh, show Upload on Amazon. The AI eventually just like puts him in a car accident and kills the guy because they're like, oh, he's a threat, right? And so other people are like, we got to do this. So if AI is now coming up with human answers and things that were not programmed into it, then we should all start paying attention to that as well. Right now, ChatGPT version 4.0 is a ability to generate text extremely quick. It analyzes information extremely quick. You can get it so it goes into uh, Excel spreadsheets. You can get it so it helps format a PowerPoint presentation or keynote presentation, depending on what you use. <laughs> but does it understand politics, physics? Does it understand medicine, how doctors have operated throughout the years? How long will it take? And is it always thinking and therefore the synapses are always connecting? Or is it only when we're typing? Because if computers don't need to sleep, and it can just run through trillions of operations per day, well, we're going to fall behind to it rather quickly. And we might end up becoming a slave to it. That's the truth. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up my show for today. Hopefully you got a little bit of information about, don't worry, we got plenty of money in order to cover our, uh, our debt. We're collecting that in taxes, but the government might have to get rid of some of those government employees, right? Those 87,000 IRS agents. I'm joking about that right now. I know that's a hot button issue that gets people riled up, but fact of the matter is there's 25 million people that could be affected. I may be one of them, but even so, I'm still telling you that is the best case scenario in my book because we got to start having the conversation and negotiating. And the Republicans, they used to be the party of fiscal conservatism. They're no longer that. Both Republicans and Democrats are in love with spending. There's just two different ways of what they want to spend on. But something's got to break. Something's got to break because right now the rest of the uh, countries in the world, they're putting their plan forward to make sure that United States is not relevant into the future the way that we've been over my lifetime and likely your lifetime as well. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. I honored your time well. I look forward to seeing you on Twitter at Real Greg Bolden. Feel free to give me a follow. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you. If you have any questions, send me a direct message or email me, Greg at AmericaEmboldened.com. Always happy to hear from fans of the show and people that listen. All right, everybody, that's it. That is all. I'll be back tomorrow with another uh valiant effort of content coverage of the news you've been listening to america emboldened with greg bolden on the america out loud network be bold america mm -hmm.